Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Just wanted to remind you guys that every Sunday night after each episode of Big Little Lies, the Ringer's Amanda Dobbins and ESPN's Mina Kimes break down everything we just saw in our new after show called Big Little Live in partnership with Buick. And after you check that out, make sure to subscribe to the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, a weekly NFL podcast with frequent contributions from her beloved dog and sidekick named Lenny. You can subscribe to the Mina Kimes show with Lenny on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to watch Big Little Live every Sunday night on Twitter. Basketball is very good. Kevon Looney is a max player. The Lakers should hire Ernie Grunfeld. Kawhi should sign with the Warriors. Basketball is very good. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is Group Chat. This is Chris Ryan. I am with Justin Verrier. Hello, friends. It is an emergency Saturday evening podcast. Shout out to Bobby and Richie for coming in on a weekend. It's just a bunch of guys with nothing better to do than their their Saturday night than talk about the most important trade we've had in quite some time in the NBA. It's Anthony Davis dealt to the Lakers for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks, including the number four selection on Thursday night's 2019 NBA draft. Uh, It all goes for Anthony Davis, who's heading to the Lakers, where he reportedly always wanted to go. Mm. Justin, uh, finally... (laughs) Finally, this is over with. This has obviously been a deal months and months in the making. It sort of cost Magic Johnson and Dell Demps their jobs in, in some ways. Demps explicitly. Johnson, you could argue it's like a, a aftermath of that. But let's just jump right into it. We're going to talk about this from the Lakers' perspective. We're going to talk about this from the Pelicans' perspective. Can you make a case who won the trade here? So I think you got to look at it from the perspective that Kevin O'Connor wrote about at TheRinger.com, which you can read right now. Uh, I think for the Lakers, this is a trade that opens up a window to win now. And we'll probably get into this, but the landscape is now wide open Mm -hmm. considering what happened to the Warriors uh, these past two finals games. So I don't know any team out there that could put together a 1-2 that could best AD and LeBron James at this point. We'll see in free agency. And so they have pried open this window. We'll see for how long it does seem like considering LeBron's age and all the other things that go into this that perhaps it might be a limited one, but we'll see. And on the Pelican side, they've set themselves up for the future perhaps better than any franchise in the league right now. Yeah, I can't tell if it's recency bias or if I'm just high off the fumes of Twitter. I'd love to hear from people about this, but are are you more excited about this iteration of the Pelicans team than you ever were about an Anthony Davis iteration? Probably. And I think it's interesting to juxtapose how they approach the Anthony Davis era to how they're approaching the Zion era. Sure. Because almost as quickly as Anthony Davis like proved himself on the NBA stage, right after his rookie season, uh, he didn't win rookie of the year, but he pretty much like made good on mm-hmm. all of the projections and everything that we kind of expected. He was who from we him. thought he was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they immediately doubled down, traded future picks, got Drew Holiday in there, traded more picks to get Omar Ashik in there, then all of a sudden, that was their their team. They they really just like, they accelerated the process so they could win as soon as possible. You really are the brand the broken of the Pelicans, man. <laughs> you are the world's memory with the Omar Ashik get. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to Solomon Hill yet. Um, here they are doing the complete opposite. Uh-huh. They traded for not only a pair of 20-somethings who still have way more room to grow and just like all sorts of upside, 
but they have three and three first round picks and potentially a pick swap. Yes. Is what we're hearing. Yeah, that's what Kevin's reporting. Yeah. So Kevin is reporting that the picks going to New Orleans, this is from Kevin, are the number four selection in the 2019 draft. We know that. A protected first in 2021, an unprotected first in 2024, which is post LeBron's contract, by the way. Mm hmm. And uh, yeah, so, and then the Pelicans will also have the right to swap firsts in 2023, which could also be pretty attractive if this is in fact the last couple of years of LeBron's career. So the headline really is here that the Lakers got a player who could be the best player in the world for that span of Mm -hmm. time. But the Pelicans, on the other hand, got a world of possibility. This is one of the best asset war chests in the entire league right now. Yes. And so there's a couple of different ways to approach that. I guess I'll make the case for the Lakers, uh, first of all, which is that they have two of the best players in the league now. There is a writing of the ship that just went on. You know, and in when you look at everything that's happened to this franchise over the last couple of months, from the tampering allegations to just the the way in which they went about doing the Davis deal the first time in the earlier part of the year where they were trying to make it happen and leaking stuff and all this stuff was coming out in public. It just seems like, and after the Baxter Holmes piece in ESPN and all the inside reporting and the palace intrigue on the Lakers, it just seems like they've kind of like figured out this one thing. And it not only brings in Davis, who's one of the top three or four players in the league, it just clears it all out clears out all of the emotions, clears out all the hurt feelings, clears out all these guys who, despite their potential, might not have been crazy about going into another season with LeBron always looking over their shoulder. Right. You know, and so to me, it's like the Lakers did the best possible version of what Lakers teams do, which is just shoot for the stars and hang out up there. And they still have this space for the third guy. And we're going to talk about who this third guy could or couldn't be. And Kyle Kuzma. And Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> don't forget our guy. That being said, and I, I, I don't know whether it's because I'm sitting here with you and you know a lot about New Orleans or whether it's just because like we always get more excited about potential than we do about what we actually have on hand. I can't help but feel like New Orleans won this deal. Maybe it's because you rarely see anybody ever get this kind of return on a superstar, especially a superstar that was going to walk. And especially a superstar who has shown that he was kind of like, you know, I may or may not play. Yeah, We could have some pinky injuries. <laughs> we could have some... Some, some play, like some some court toe yeah. coming into play. <laughs> not so, to say that I'm not trying to slander him. I'm just saying like no, they, they, there could be a, like a little bit of a slow rolling it before they actually got this deal done. David Griffin just walked away with ten years of an NBA team. Yeah, that's well, amazing. One thing I think really colors our perception of this entire thing is Zion. Mm-hmm. If the Pelicans had made this trade and they didn't have Zion in their pockets. Does it look as good? Well, let me ask you another question then. If they don't have Zion, do they do the deal? It's if a great they question. Have, if they have whatever, the sixth pick, are they doing this trade? On Like just in a vacuum, the deal itself is a good one for the Pelicans, but they didn't have the one player they needed ultimately to build around. Mm-hmm. Now they have that, which is the essential question for every NBA organization. Even a team like uh, the Sixers who just tore everything to the stud, the whole goal was to find those transformative players. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily to to break the league system and all this other stuff that happened from it. Everyone's trying to get the, these one to 10 guys that exist. Mm-hmm. And they did that. They fell backwards into them. And now everything from there just becomes way easier. Yeah. And, and now Griffin can push the pedal down as he sees fit. He can take the number four pick. He can have two top five draft picks coming into camp in a couple of weeks. 
with Williamson and whoever they grab at four, whether it's Garland, whether it's it, whether RJ falls to four, whoever it is, man, reunite the Duke team in New Orleans <laughs> um, with Ingram too. Uh, yeah, he can do that. He can trade for. He can trade down. He can he can get into business with Atlanta and get, accumulate more draft picks. You trade four for an actual player. Or he could trade four for an actual player. He could trade four for an actual player and try to get somebody who is on the trajectory that Ingram and Ball uh, and Hart are already on. A couple of years into the league, let's we we understand how to get on a plane and go to a hotel and do all this stuff. You're not 19 anymore. Like let's try and go out there and win 45 games and maybe get into the eight or seven seed and make this city really excited about basketball again. What's really interesting now that I'm sitting with it just a little bit longer is that the whole Pelicans like outlook and approach with Anthony Davis was to surround him with young veterans, right? Mm -hmm. The problem was those guys were just significantly flawed and they just didn't have the ceilings that the guys that they're putting around Zion now. Like it was Tyreek Evans who once upon a time we thought was going to be the successor to LeBron James, the baby LeBron. So Anthony Davis. Don't personally remember thinking (laughs) that, but sure, yeah. He won rookie of the year and we're all saying he played like really like LeBron. I promise that happened. Uh, (laughs) And and Drew Holiday, a guy who had talent, but even when he made the all-star team with the Sixers, if it wasn't for an injury replacement, at the very least, it was because the East was so diminished, especially at guard. These guys weren't the type of potential, just like all-star talents. And Ingram, even though he's fallen off from that, there's still that guy in there, the type of guy that going into that draft, we were comparing him. 100% clear. We do not know what Ingram, Ball, and Hart are because of the shit show they just played in this year. We have no idea. Like They have basically been in an absolute clown car for the beginning of their NBA careers. Now, I don't know. Like The Pelicans are doing a great job selling the idea that they're hiring best in class across the board at their organization, that they're bringing in Swin Cash and Trajan Langdon. And and what's the guy from the Suns name? Aaron Nelson? Sure. (laughs) Yeah, like as if I, I don't really know. I don't know. But- the 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 son's doctor essentially yeah mid staff and they've had a long term they've had some long term injury issues with not being able to keep guys healthy and guys who are injury riddled all of a sudden go somewhere else and are fine like Eric Gordon I know all about that right <laughs> so they are taking steps in the right direction the potential for Ingram Hart and Ball we don't even know it those yeah. guys are those, like Ingram and Ball are top three picks. So they are adding Ingram and Ball to the number one pick who is basically a can't miss and possibly the number four pick. Yeah, I mean, Lonzo was a guy who not that long ago was selected over Jason Tatum. And while he's had a load of issues since then, including to like the lower half of his body, which has kept him out of like if like close to half of his first two seasons in the league, his shot looks broken. But there's still that guy that we all loved in there. And I think he is especially effective in this role where... In recent years, they've swung Drew Holiday off the ball and put a more traditional pass for his point guard around Davis and in that Elvin Gentry system. Well, now you have Lonzo passing off to Drew. Drew's going to do his same job. There's still that same setup there. Sure. And now you're getting Zion Williamson in the AD role. Like the 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 Zoe to Zion alley-oop situation is going to be incredible. He also said the Zion to Zoe alley-oops are going to be good. Like those guys are not interchangeable, but those guys are... 21st century players. They're they're position free. They're, they're they can play in a lot of different ways. Can Not I, position free, but yeah, yeah. No, there's just so much versatility up and down that roster. It is ironic though that throughout this entire process, the one sore spot the Pelicans have always had is at the four spot next to Anthony Davis. Yeah. And yet 
even after this, they, they still, still have do not it. have, they still have a it. power. You know what? It doesn't matter though. Yeah. They're not wasting Anthony Davis anymore. I think that I don't even know if Justin and I can arrive at a conclusion about like who wins this trade. I think that the Lakers win the trade because they got Anthony Davis and you have to trust what you've seen and say, well, if you put, if you have a chance to put LeBron James with Anthony Davis, you should sell whatever you can to get it. Yeah. So I guess the Lakers won the trade, but it, we're more excited about the Pelicans now than we've been in, in years, even when they had Anthony Davis. Yeah, and the other thing to, to bring up when we're talking about comparing the Pelicans and how they built around AD versus Zion is that they gave up draft picks for AD. They now have, in addition to those young veterans that they had before with AD, yeah. they have more draft picks than ever. It's the complete yeah, they inverse. They still have their picks. So even if these guys don't play another game, they still have a load of talent and assets in order to put good players around Zion. Yeah. Okay. So the winner, the loser, whatever of the trade, it's it's basically a win-win. I think I, it's not a Herschel Walker trade, which I I sort of road tested that take a little bit, basically to myself and on Slack. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, man, this this haul, I can't remember. I mean, it makes the Kawhi Leonard trade look like you were essentially sell- selling for a penny on the dollar, especially when we saw what Kawhi wound up doing almost single-handedly, you know, mm-hmm. this this season. I think it just speaks to just like the desperation on the Lakers' side. Yeah. Like, there isn't a team out there that needed this deal more than the Lakers. Well, did. okay, so that was, the, that was the thing I was going to ask you. I, we can get into what the Lakers are now and what the Pelicans are now and what this means for the rest of the league, but I was going to ask you the follow-up question, the, the bookend question to would the Pelicans have done this deal without Zion coming in? is would the Lakers have done this deal without the Warriors being in the state that they're in? So if Katie's healthy and maybe they win a title and he makes noises about coming back or maybe they lose in seven and he's like, I can't do this to Golden State. We're going to go back and get that last chip. So Katie, Clay, let's just say in a, in, a, in a sliding doors world, they're fine. And they're coming back next year loaded for bear. Are the Lakers as aggressive? Probably. I mean, they have to. They had to do something here, right? I mean, they couldn't just run it back. Yeah, and and that's the issue. I think they they tied themselves to LeBron's pr- like waning years, mm-hmm. and thus that was never going to change. As long as LeBron was going to be there, they needed to maximize the next one to two years, and so they needed to make something happen in order to make this work. We were talking pretty recently about I don't know how how accurate the reports are, but there were rumblings at the very least that. If the yeah. Lakers did not get somebody in there this summer that LeBron could take a next step with, yeah. he would consider perhaps going elsewhere. Yeah, or he could just basically demand a trade. Yeah, right, yeah, right. exactly. Um, all right, let's talk about the Lakers are now. Because immediately after this trade happened, and it, it, one of the interesting things watching this all shake out was I have a sneaking suspicion that this has been done for several days and that they were trying to give whatever the minimum amount of like room to the Toronto championship mm. was. I think they they still got it in before the parade, though, right? Definitely. I think that's Monday. Okay. They were haggling over Kyle Kuzma for for several days. Yes. (laughs) This has been in various stages of being done, I think, for a little while. A little while. Almost immediately after this happens, Stein has a tweet that Mark Stein of the New York Times says, the Lakers are targeting Kemba. Now, Kemba Walker over at the Charlotte Hornets has been probably the most uh, publicized free agent to be, I would say. I mean, I, obviously, he hasn't been busy playing basketball, so he had the opportunity. But there have been several interviews with Kemba Walker, most of them of the variety of, I my heart is in Charlotte. I would even take less to stay here. Yeah, how quaint is it 
that Kemba Walker is at these like camps, I guess. Yeah, well, he was throwing. like an ambassador to the to to in Japan to yeah, the he, NBA. Or yeah, I think he like was that. in Japan or yeah. China. And so an athletic reporter tracked him down yeah. and he was just out front being like, yeah, I kind of want to stay in Charlotte. It's like right. where they want to be. And then pretty recently he got like someone caught him at like some sort of some event, some camp that he was holding. He's just out there, which kind of shows the difference between in LA and some of these big markets in Charlotte yeah, where these right. guys are hiding. Right. <laughs> Jimmy Butler is holed up in his Texas like home. Yeah, not he's wanting in, like, to talk to anybody. Face to head to toe PSG gear. <laughs> Kemba's just hanging out. Whatever. I I hope for Kemba's sake that uh I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I was gonna say I hope for Kemba's sake that he's able, he doesn't have to like live this down too much, basically. That if he decides to sign with the Lakers, uh, that he doesn't have to then go hat in hand and be like, I'm sorry, Charlotte. You yeah. know, like things changed and it's just, he could have just said, look, I really want to, re- I've given Charlotte a bunch of years and they've given me a bunch of trust, but I'm a free agent. So we're going to see what the offers are. That would have been the, that the been smart way the to answer. play it. Instead, it was just like, you know, I left my heart in Charlotte <laughs> and now the Lakers might, might woo him. You know, he was a former singer in his New York days, right? I feel like we're really in luck because we've talked so much about <laughs> New Orleans and Kemba Walker, which are literally the pillars of Justin's existence. The only two interests that uh, I have. Do you like the idea, say, like, do you like the idea of Kemba Walker being the third piece here? I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it makes a lot of sense if you can't get Kyrie Irving because I think LeBron found like the perfect teammate for himself in Cleveland with Kyrie. Mm -hmm. It just seems like at this point, what he needs the most or what he values the most is a guy who, when he wants to take plays off, which he is prone to do quite often these days, he could just... As many middle-aged men are prone to do, yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, there are a few edits that I just kind of mail in and let Craig Gaines handle. Sounds good, Justin. (laughs) Uh, He likes to just dump it off to a creator, let him do his thing. Yeah. And that's how he conserves energy. Brian Windhorst had that piece, if I think two years ago, just about how he is so uh, considered about how he manages his minutes and his time and what he puts effort in LeBron. Uh, and so that's he, he needs that, but he also needs a guy when he wants to dominate the ball to play off of him. And Kyrie was perfect at mm-hmm. both. He was, he was a point guard, but he was also like a, a scoring p- point guard. And yeah. he was a, a really, really good three-point shooter. Kemba Walker is basically that. He is... Among the best shooters in the league, I know his three-point percentage was down this year, but he was also shooting at an incredible volume, so I don't think that's like an accurate read on how good he is. I think he was 39-38 in the previous two years, and he's also probably the best deep shooter other than Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. So he really has transformed his game to the point where he's this perfect blend of a guy who can create, but he can also shoot. And I think that's the perfect guy you want, especially if you have AD in the front court who will be able to cover you defensively and will be able to play particularly well with Kuzma and LeBron in that five, four, three sort of lineup. So we just watched an NBA finals where a very top heavy team, obviously ravaged by injuries. I think it's, I, I would personally make the argument that Golden State with at, at full and hundred percent health would have beaten the Raptors, but that's not how sports works. <laughs> but we did sure. just see a very top heavy team get picked apart by a team with, really great depth and really like even distribution of talent and smartly, smartly built to play really stout defense in the spring and summer when you need it the most. So is it stupid for the Lakers to not learn from that and instead of taking the money that they would have for that that max slot, try and make some really smart 
acquisitions that would fill out the roster smartly around, intelligently around Davis and James and just try and go, here's our, here's our cash wad, flash it on the first roll of the dice and bring in another guy. That's the other side of this for LA. So they got your guy and congrats for that. Yeah, twice now. They got him two summers in a row. Like for as much as we make fun of the Lakers, they landed LeBron James and Anthony Davis in two summers. Yeah, the exceptionalism is thick yeah, yeah. right now, which it hadn't been for several years. Um, but they didn't necessarily like alleviate my concerns about the front office by giving up like your entire future mm-hmm. in order to get Davis. We could talk about Davis in a bit and just like how good he is because I think that like that's, that's kind of almost underrated at yeah, this it, point. It really yeah. is that yeah. he is this good. Uh, it's really going to come down to what they could do with these next couple of moves. Right. And it is interesting, especially because Davis, for most of his career, we've we've said like that the front office in New Orleans just failed him. They weren't like the environment that he was thrust into wasn't able to surround him with the necessary talent. Well, he's entrusting the second half of his career to Rob Palinka. Right. And an organization that at this point, I don't think anybody in the NBA has much faith in. So I think if they can go out and maybe just get a Kemba and do the same thing they did with LeBron and AD and just sign away the top guy because of this exceptionalism, sure. Yeah. But to your point, even if they do that, they need to fill out the roster with the appropriate guys because they lack so many things, even with those three guys in place, even with Kuzma, there's still a need for shooters. They need to be able to defend, especially with LeBron at this point in his career. Like what a defense, what? Is he as a defender? Kuzma right. not a good defender? And let's say it is Kemba. Like Kemba's, That's a defensively poor team. Kemba's getting exposed, especially in the playoffs. Right now, the Lakers have the following players under contract. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Mo Wagner, Kyle Kuzma, Isaac Banya, Banga? Banga, and like Jamario Jones. I've never heard. Oh, of I didn't Jim. know they had Jamario Jones. That's a real dude. That's not a, a creative <laughs> no, player. I've, I've literally never They've heard. They've also got some dead cap with Dang. And then in their orbit... I forgot about Dang. They've got some dead cap with Luol, and then they've got cap holds on KCP, Rondo, Muscala, Stevenson, Bullock, Chandler, McGee, the Suicide Squad. They got all the guys that they we laughed at them for bringing in last year. Yeah. They have all those guys, but they they can get rid of them. You could write KCP and Penn, right? Like, he's not going anywhere. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it really depends, man, because you made the Palinka joke. And I I honestly like kind of admire Rich Paul for orchestrating this. You know, I mean, he he got exactly what his client apparently wanted. His clients are both happy. He's happy. Uh, you know, if you told me tomorrow that Rich Paul was divesting himself of clutch and becoming the president of the Lakers, I wouldn't I wouldn't blink twice, really. I don't think he needs to do that. I don't think he does either. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of guys out there where I'm really curious about how the free agency market breaks for the Lakers because, okay, let's say they target Kawhi. I don't think Kawhi strikes me necessarily as the kind of guy who's like, I really need some other guys to team up with. <laughs> so if Kawhi leaves Toronto and goes to the Clippers, I don't know if he's going to do that now, but whatever. Let's, let's pencil Kawhi in either for Clippers or the Raptors. Jimmy, let's say he goes back to Philly. Uh, Marcus Gasol, Probably opt in in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, probably lo- lo- love to do that. Millsap, yeah. Horford, yeah. Uh, you know Gordon Dragic. 
Well, no, he just opted back in. Oh, Dragic opted <laughs> back in. Uh, you know, a Middleton? Does Middleton want to play in L.A. with LeBron and Davis more than he wants to play in Milwaukee with Giannis? He's good, but I just don't think he's what they need because if they sign him, then they don't have any sort of creator other than LeBron. And then you start getting funky, you know? It starts getting, <laughs> it starts getting like into the deep J.J. Redick territory, Danny Green territory. Yeah. Uh, Tobias Harris would be good. Tobias Harris would be good, but Tobias Harris presumably would have to take how big of a discount can a player in his prime take it really depends on because if he doesn't resign with Philly whoever's going to give him the deal that he takes would presumably be like here's here's the full boat mm-hmm. that everything you can get besides what you could get from Philly the Lakers can't get a a hometown discount from one of these in their prime free agents can they I don't know how much space the Lakers will have available I, I presume it is going to be a max if not close to a max yeah so they, they just wouldn't have the fifth year to offer to Tobias. And I, I wonder at his age at this point uh, how how like much that matters to right. him. And he did, I mean, he came on late in the season with the Sixers, at least in the postseason. Uh, I think he he is a good player to have. I just, I don't know. He's 26 right now. He's going to be 27. I'm. It's not filling me full of hope for this team. Because like you said, you've got, Palenka calling the shots. He's had a rough start to his career as a front office guy. And it's just, they've got a lot of work to do, man. Yeah. They've got a lot of work to do. And they have no picks. I, they have literally nothing left to trade. I guess the dang cap hold, like they can trade that number? No, they can't trade that. Okay. So like... <laughs> that's that's like affixed to their, their books. So they're just sitting on... They got five guys, no picks. Mm-hmm. And they're just hoping people are going to be like, I want to live in Los Angeles and play with LeBron Anthony Davis. Well, you know what? I'm fascinated to see it because, <laughs> because this is, we've been looking at like all these different paradigm changes of like, well, what if guys turn down max money with the team that has their bird rights mm-hmm. because they want to play where they want to play? And what if people start getting into signing one and ones more frequently because they, they don't mind paying insurance on themselves if they get to move around a little bit and always be in demand. Well, speaking about one and ones Anthony Davis has already said, and I think Chris Haynes has confirmed post the trade happening that he's still going to go into free agency. Yeah, that's what Rich Paul was like. He was like graffiti this on your skyscraper. <laughs> he is going to be a free agent. So there's a possibility this, that this ends up as another Dwight Howard and he just leaves the next year. I was waiting for somebody to say that. <laughs> like, that's definitely in play. There's a non-zero what possibility. Was this Sports Illustrated cover? This is going to be fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> well, um, well what, okay. Let's, let's take out like who takes what money and, and, and what years out. Who besides Kemba is, is the, the perfect third? If you're just playing like throw a dart at a name here. Uh, I think you do need a guy who could like handle the ball a little bit, who could be a, a creator, because those guys are also a little bit tougher to find on the open market as well. So if if not Kemba, I would probably start looking at Jimmy, mm-hmm. assuming that Kyrie and like the the Katies and all those guys are. I'm assuming that Kyrie's going to Brooklyn, but if you, it, I I wouldn't also lose my mind if he signed like a one and one with the Lakers. Oh, if if Kyrie's in play, I would go after Kyrie. He's the best player, like the best gettable player on the market right now. I so Kyrie Davis, James, and 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 whatever tumbleweeds they can gather to play around them. I mean, on, on veteran minimums that that won a title in Cleveland, and AD is light years better than Kevin Love. Dude, I thought I think that Cleveland had a pretty good bench. Yeah, they then. did. They did. Like, where are the Tristans coming from here? And the Cavs had draft picks in order to 
get those guys midseason. Right. And let's not forget, we already have a combustible situation with Vogel, Kid, Rambus, the Rambi. <laughs> there, it's, it's not like this changes everything in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You still have a coach who is coaching with the guy who was the runner-up for his job and then was foisted on him. I completely forgot that Frank Vogel was the coach. Yeah. Like, like we just spent like, oh, Nick Nurse, you're a genius. Steve Kerr, you're a genius. Brad Stevens. Like, should we not talk about the fact that like Frank Vogel was last seen coaching Roy Hibbert and like the, not last seen coaching Roy Hibbert, but we know Frank Vogel from his success with the Pacers in the East. Yeah. Obviously, he's being thrown into a cauldron here, but he's got like a guy waiting in the wings for him to screw up. Yeah, I mean, maybe Jason Kidd can get some reps at point guard too while he's waiting to take over. Uh, but I guess the good thing is Vogel is known for his defensive acumen. And so this team definitely is going to need that help because I think this is a good time to talk about just like Anthony Davis. Let's do it. As crazy. Like 28 as- minutes into this podcast, <laughs> let's start talking about Anthony Davis. <laughs> it's Saturday. Come on. <laughs> Bobby's wearing wearing just his, his casual clothes. Bobby's got <laughs> track pants. Justin's got shorts on. You can't see that from the I look like though. I'm in Pearl Jam. Let's come on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're just having a time, guys. Crack some brews after this. Talk about AD. Uh, the reason why the price was so high mm-hmm. is because Anthony Davis could be the best player in the world. He was talked about that as recently as earlier this season. Outside of Fred Van Vliet. (laughs) Outside of Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Uh, And he's only getting better. Like, he's 26. He has the world in front of him. Yes, he has certain injury concerns and probably doesn't play through as much as he probably should. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wow. What a time to to beat toughness. (laughs) (laughs) That matters when you only have five players and one of them is Isaac Bonga. (laughs) Bob Myers just took a deep pull from a corona. But... (laughs) <laughs> last year <laughs> last year he was in the top three for defensive player of the year and we expected him to be a candidate for defensive player of the year and MVP this year mm-hmm. like we that's what happened with Giannis there's a possibility that he might win both this year Davis can do that and we're saying that Giannis is probably the if we're doing a Bill Simmons trade value probably the m- most precious yep. asset in the entire league yeah Davis can be that, and he was that. I think it, it's it's crazy that yeah, we Davis is not forgot. recovering from some major injury. Davis didn't have some, uh, you know, he didn't go on a, a walkabout through the Australian outback. He took a couple of months off from the Pelicans, where he was usually pretty dominant, even in a year where he wanted to leave. He is in, entering his prime, if that's conceivable. Yeah. And he's about to go play with the, the best or second best player of all time. He was getting better this year. Like yeah. the the next hurdle he had was to bring some of the guard skills that he had before his growth spurt and kind of apply them to his current body and his current situation. And he was a better passer than he's ever been. And he's already starting to show more flair as a ball handler. Yeah. He displayed better vision than ever. He was running a, a one-man fast break. Like he's everything you want in a four or five. Yeah. And he's playing with LeBron James. He's playing with the best ball and handler he has ever played with one because most of the guys who were passing in the ball sucked. 
Like, no offense to Tim Frazier, that's my guy, but like he was right in the bench for the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. You just better respect Etwan Moore right now. <laughs> He's a shooting guard. Because <laughs> he handles the ball. He's closer to the floor than Anthony Davis is. That's true. Hey, you're right. He's he's amazing. You want to talk? Let's also talk about LeBron. Okay. Because I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. Um, every LeBron team has to go through their baptisms, their purges, uh, their crises. This one lasted maybe a little longer than any other. Uh, he came to the Lakers. He didn't like what he had on hand. Didn't like his coach. <laughs> They're all gone. Yeah. And now it's just LeBron. And he's got, a. am sure extra motivation after everybody was just like, LOL, this guy's like out of his prime. LOL, LeBron's stuck with all these losers and they hate him. <laughs> and now he's got a 26-year-old god on his team. I, You know, he, Anthony Davis is better than Chris Bosh ever was. You know, they don't have a Dwayne Wade yet, but this is shaping up to be, you know, the one of the best players he's ever played with. And he's played with some pretty good ones. So, yeah. so there's another level, perhaps, to late period LeBron. Well, I think we'll see. I think we'll we see. all assumed that can, what we saw last year was it for LeBron. That he might be injured more often than he ever has. That he's going to coast more than he ever has. That he probably doesn't have the same switch that he once had. Right. Some of those things might be true. I, I do think like the defense and the coasting, we're probably going to see a lot of that. But like he is kind of this physical marvel and to expect him to miss like 20 games yet yeah. again is, is is that's the outlier situation. It would help if he didn't lo- miss them all at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but you have to imagine that he's going to come back next season as motivated as he's ever been because of the amount of doubting that's been going on. And I, 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 I usually don't put a lot of stock in like haters and, and hearing the whispers. But like if I was LeBron James, like I would be like, I would I would be like running laps around Staples right now because I'm so excited to play basketball again. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to that third guy for me. It's just when LeBron signed there, there was all this big talk about how they're going to play LeBron more in the post. They wanted to get creators like Rondo and some of these other guys in order to take that burden away from him. I still think that's a big key for late period LeBron. I think he needs guys around him that are going to do more Mm -hmm. because physically he probably can't do as much as he used to. But if you have a guy like Davis and if Davis is going to progress in that area and if you bring a guy like Kemba or someone like him, I think all of a sudden if LeBron at times is like a third option more than he's ever been, like then it starts to make way more sense for me. If LeBron James is at times like second or third in the call sheet, that's a really good team. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, after watching the way Toronto managed Kawhi this year, you, you will probably see more teams do that with their stars. Well, I, I, and I think that in the case of LeBron, I think in the case of Embiid, I think in the case of a bunch of these guys, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And they should probably start doing with Davis too. Mm-hmm. I've always looked at the Spurs as a prime example of like how they they don't care about certain games and and what people say, and they just like they find the best things for their players and they maximize whatever they can give them. Uh, I think it's interesting now to look at just the landscape of the league. Yeah, let's take a look at like what this means for everybody else. I mean, so we, we're going to keep our eye on whether or not this means the Lakers have righted the ship and are now basically the, the, the flagship franchise of the NBA again, or whether or not all the people who are there and all the people who have been brought in are going to be unable to quite manage what will obviously be like another 
four alarm fire circus all the time, every night, every time they lose, every time they win, it'll be on House of Highlights. Every time they lose, there will be five think pieces about it. It's all coming. I don't even know if Davis has ever dealt with pressure like that. No. There were, so there were like three or four beat writers right. and I know and I'm in a room with one of them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we have, that's the Lakers situation. We've talked a lot about the Pelican situation. I think that we can get into that in the future before we like start breaking down Ingram tape or whatever. <laughs> like, let's let them draft Zion first. Let's talk about what this means for the last rest of the league though, because I wrote in our winners and losers that's up on the ringer that one of the losers was the Celtics. And that's not because I was born in Fairmount. Um, that's just because I feel like they kind of either missed out on or lost out on a generation of all NBA talent. And they were in pole position. They've been in pole position for most of the second half of this decade to acquire one of those guys. They got Kyrie. He's probably leaving. They got Hayward. That was a real shame what happened to him. And I hope he gets back to his best. They missed out on Durant. They missed out on Paul George. I think they could have made a much better offer for, to San Antonio than Toronto did for Kawhi. And we mm-hmm. see what happened with having one year of Kawhi. And now they've missed out on Davis. And they, I don't know. Do you think that they have a better, do you think that their offer to the to the Lakers would have been better than, than what, the, their offer to the Pelicans would have been better with the, the Lakers offered them? So it would have been what? Tatum, potentially smart, and some draft picks? Mm-hmm. No, because... Even though the Grizzlies pick could be really good, it could be high, you know, you have cost certainty with the Lakers being at four there. Like, as crazy as it is, the lottery and the crazy results that happened from there, like, the fact that they ended up at four probably swung this, mm-hmm. which I imagine the Celtics will want to point out at some owners' meetings pretty re- like soon. I guess so, but, like, then make the deal. Like, I, I, I don't know what to say. I feel like that's the wrap on, like, a bunch of these things where it's like, well, if we had known or we were just really high on Jalen or, you know, we didn't yeah. want to get rid of the Memphis pick yet. It's like, well, now you guys are going to have to build around Tatum and Brown. Because if Kyrie leaves, and I don't know if Horford's going to come back, you know, Rozier's obviously going to leave. You have, I mean, they have a really good team. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll be up and around, like, the top three or four in the East, mm-hmm. depending on what happens with Kawhi. But I feel like you have to look back over the last five or six years and just and just kind of be like, what happened there? How did we not get any of these guys? Because they could have had a bunch of them, or they could have had at least gotten in the mix for a couple of them and still retained a lot of what makes this team special. Yeah, I think we're at the point where fans know so much about the NBA. And it's crystallized the idea that what the Celtics did, this slow approach where they stack assets and they build the right way, has become the only way. Mm-hmm. That you take your time, you get these guys in there, you grow a championship contender, then you perhaps package them all together for the disgruntled star, and all of a sudden you have your easy-baked title contender. But as we've seen over recent years, the fortune has appropriately favored the bold teams. Sure. Not, necess- not necessarily some of the smarter, like, good teams that took their time and did it the right way. Right. It's it's like stepping on the neck. It's like the Warriors being like, you know what? Rather than just wait till next year and, and keep Harrison Barnes and keep running it, like, let's go out and get Durant. The Pelicans, when they traded for DeMarcus Cousins, didn't have much. Uh-huh. They were just desperate enough because they need the front office needed to keep their job in order to swing a trade for a player at that point who was viewed as toxic to a lot of organizations. The Thunder gave away a couple guys that probably didn't fit there long-term or, or weren't necessary long-term to get a guy like Paul George. 
the Raptors, that team was broken, and so they decided to just go for it for this one-year window. And now we see the Lakers, a team that needed something to happen in order to maximize LeBron, and they're willing to do enough to get Davis. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the thing that this Kawhi Leonard season has really crystallized, is that you nobody's waiting for your five-year plan to come through. And that's why I think that the Sixers did what they did and why they will re-sign these guys if they can because they are not interested in going back down and building back up again. Not not while they still have Simmons on a relatively cheap deal. Yeah. And I think for a lot of these teams, like the Clippers are are stocked with assets. They are not holding on to them in, in the event that Shamit and SGA can lead them to the promised land. It's kind of appropriate that as like the superstars in the league are accelerating like how quickly teams turn over, that the teams that act quickly and are just trying to hit like a specific window are the ones that are doing well. But I think what the Lakers have done by doing so sets up a nice parallel between the Clippers and the Lakers. Because in a lot of ways, they are the models for two different approaches. So you have the Lakers who are going full exceptionalism yet again and hoping that a big three model is enough to bring them to the top of the West. Uh, But as we just talked about, they have to fill all these other spots that probably are going to dictate how well they play this season. The Clippers, on the other hand, I don't know if we've been talking about them as a two-star destination. More likely, they'll end up with Kawhi and probably the situation that they have now. And so you have the Kawhi team that's deep it's the, it's the it's Raptors Kawhi again. With a younger version, a younger, less good version of the Raptors, and possibly just as good, to be honest. Because some of, like, maybe it's hard to say that after not, the finals, man. It's I really know. come on. I mean, like, it's hard to say SGA and Shamit over Kyle Lowry. You know what I mean? And Danny Green, even though I yeah. know, yeah, what Danny Green and Kyle Lowry are defensively, they're going to be a lot worse. Yeah, and that that was a big part of the Raptors' identity, and it's definitely swung some of those games in the playoffs, but. I think it's super interesting that that could be the difference. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because as teams go to superstar-driven big three teams and they try to fill their rosters out with minimum guys and whatever, it almost creates this market inefficiency for good players, not great players. So if so many teams have settled on this idea that we were just talking about where the right way to build is to get three stars and do everything you can to get three stars and strip down your roster and make sure you don't have good players until you get good, like, superstar players. Then all of those solid players are kind of men without countries. They so don't, give me some examples. Just look at the Clippers roster. Like, a guy like Lou Williams, who is yeah. a fringe all-star, yeah. is on a bargain contract. Montrezl Harrell is playing for a relative bargain considering what he did this year. So if you're just... I think the Clippers embody this and clearly show what you can do because you probably have a lot of good players whose market has been depreciated because they just don't have as many places to go anymore. It nobody, turns out Jerry West is smart. <laughs> could be. I mean, it's a really smart front office. And yeah. I, I, these are the type of things... I, I know, there's a bunch of guys there. Pretty- well, it's just like the people who see the market inefficiency before everyone else always has an advantage. So it's fascinating to see some of these things happen in real time. Okay, Celtics, Clippers. You do you think Kawhi with a ring goes west to play against LeBron and Anthony Davis and live in LA where he wants to live, or do you think he stays in Toronto and runs it back and hopes they're even better with another year of Siakam and OG coming back? It's interesting. I don't know which conference is going to be weaker. 
when it's all said and done because the the word, or if the, if guys actually give a shit about that if, I mean like if I want to live where I want to live really plays into well in the second round if we get the third seed this could happen right? right it didn't matter for LeBron right and so I don't know what is the easier path I mean the Bucks are probably the best team in the East but there's a possibility that if Kawhi just comes back that they have a clear path to the finals yet mm-hmm. again. I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I think you'd have to consider it. I, I, it would be really cool if we could spend the next few years watching the Raptors, Sixers, and Bucks duke it out in, in the East. And that if the, if the East had like a truly rich, competitive rivalry system rather than just LeBron and everybody else, yeah. the way it was for the, like the 10 years before it. And the other thing that could swing is, I mean, we've lived in an environment where everybody was taking one plus ones. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if one of the negative effects of Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson having these injuries, maybe guys look at that and say that like... Yeah, and I just, don't think Kawhi needs anybody to tell him about long-term injuries, right? So maybe we're going to phase into a cycle where all of these guys start to take longer-term deals. Because even guys like Kyrie Irving, I mean, he's on the younger side of some of these superstars that are going to be available, but I think he's already 27. So there aren't a, like a ton of prime years left. So maybe we're going to get to the point where a lot of these guys are staying and all of a sudden that that kind of... That changes the landscape. Okay, Celtics, Clippers, the way that people sign their deals, where Kawhi winds up, what are some other ripple effects? What are some other... How does this change some other situations? Well, I think another option is off the board in terms of like getting superstars uh-huh. in free agency. I mean, we talked about on a video thing that we did the other day, just how if Kevin Durant was off the board and now Clay Thompson seems like might be off the board... Uh, would teams go the trade route and try to get Davis over maybe signing a Jimmy Butler? Well, Davis is now off the board as well. So Mm -hmm. you have three of the best four guys, five guys available on the market are all gone at this point. It's actually weirdly like it's now a a sort of strange, lukewarm free agency class because it feels like Kyrie to Brooklyn is is, is pretty much a done deal. And if it's not, it would probably have to be for the Lakers or... I saw the Herald say that like the Celtics and Kyrie are still in communication, but so it sound it doesn't sound like Kyrie would go uh, to the Knicks. But if Kyrie's off the board, Durant's off the board, Thompson's off the board. I mean, Durant could still sign, but he's off the board for playing next year. Yeah, uh, Davis has been traded. Kawhi is going to have to walk away from a team he just won the Larry O'Brien Trophy <laughs> for, and Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, and Tobias Harris would all have to turn down bigger money from the team that has their bird rights. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jimmy Butler is looking really good right now. Like everybody is forgetting all about what he did in Minnesota and focusing only on what he did in the playoffs, kind of winning some of those games. Yeah. I mean, D'Angelo Russell jumps up a notch. Yeah. D- doesn't D'Angelo Russell jump up a rung in terms of like how interested you are in him? If this is all, the, this is the way it's happening. I mean, we were talking about him being like an Indiana, Orlando, Utah guy. Now, maybe... Did the, did the Knicks max him out? It's on the table. I mean, you got to play the restricted dance, but it doesn't seem like he's in the long-term plans for the Nets. I don't think that they can handle a backcourt of those two. I mean, I just they, they have to be smarter than that to think that they can have D'Angelo and Kyrie in the backcourt together. They would, they would never get a defensive stop in their lives. And if the Nets aren't going to re-sign Russell and they've attached themselves to Russell Plus and Kyrie Irving, and I don't know who's going to fill that second max slot now, are we looking at the Nets way differently than we were a couple of weeks ago when they swung that trade for uh, right. opening up the cap space? It's and so strange. It's so strange because this is like this is the fir- the the 
this is the first clarion call of the offseason, but it almost feels like in a weird way, it, it, it kind of also is the beginning of the end of the offseason in some ways. It would be interesting to have a chalk offseason from here on out in terms of everything happening basically the way people thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Knicks look pretty bad right now. Okay, so that's the last one. Let's end with the Knicks. What do they do? Yeah. <laughs> do they just draft RJ and be bad next year? I, I think they're looking at the situation where best case scenario, they're bad with Kevin Durant. Right. Which is fine. Right. Because he's still a Hall of Famer, but I, I just don't know who else is, is going there. And you look back to the Porzingis deal and all of a sudden that just looks ridiculous. Oh, it, sounds, it seems like everybody is just sort of like better off without each other in that situation. Yeah, I know what you mean though. It, it's just, it's, it's weird because all of these teams were clearing the decks and you just assume that they had things in their pockets and just, we forgot the fact that basketball still gets played and, and things happen mm-hmm. and Kevin Durant gets hurt and all of a sudden everything changes. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be a while before basketball is played again, but we will be back obviously quite a few times. Now, uh, this is going up Saturday night. Bill and Ryan will be on the BS uh, podcast tomorrow talking about this deal, no doubt. Uh, Monday, we're going to get a special NBA show up that's about the draft, but we'll have some Anthony Davis stuff in there. Is that right? And then uh, we'll have draft stuff all week and uh, more reactions to Anthony Davis as we as we fire them up. You can go to ringer.com right now. There's two pieces up there now. One about um, how the Lakers are the present and the Pelicans are the future. That's from Kevin O'Connor. We also have a winners and losers piece and more pieces to come. Till then, thanks for listening. For Justin Verrier, I'm Chris Ryan. This has been the Ringer NBA Show. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.